Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. One of the biggest things that I think is important is for people to think about how to be ahead of the herd right now. And in order to be ahead of the herd, I recommend following these seven steps that will help you get to financial freedom and accelerate your path to prosperity. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hello, welcome back to the show. It is so good to have you here. Now listen, if you're anything like me, 
you would love to know how to accelerate your path to prosperity. Now that word means something different for all of us. Maybe prosperity is a dollar amount to you or being able to have time and freedom in your day. Maybe it's becoming debt-free or having a certain amount of money in your investment accounts. No matter what prosperity means to you, you need a roadmap to get there. Our guest, Louis Giannis, is the founder of WealthNet Investments and the author of a new book called Financial Freedom Blueprint. Lewis also holds the Chartered Financial Analyst and Chartered Market Technician designation. So yeah, he knows his stuff. In this episode, Lewis shares the seven steps to mapping your financial future to help you secure financial independence. This is a good one, my friend. So Lewis, you wrote this amazing book called The Financial Freedom Blueprint. And I think for Everyone listening, we love the idea of financial freedom, but for many of us, we just can't even imagine it happening. I was wondering if you could just give us some, some maybe a pep talk or some words of wisdom around the viability of financial freedom for all of us. Yeah, I think the first thing is it really depends on where you are right now. It all starts with that. So if you're in a position where you're living paycheck to paycheck and you are not really able to save, then that's a different thing to start out with. And there, if you're in that position, I would say the first thing is to say, okay, what is my unique ability? Where am I right now? And how can I leverage my unique ability in a way where I'm adding more value for customers, clients, or the company that I work for so that I can increase my income? Because that's step one. So for those people that are, you know, that a lot of times they can't really vision visualize it because they can't save. So right. it starts off with that. And that process, I mean, we could have a whole podcast just on that. But if I can kind of bottom line um, my experience with people about that is that it really starts off with the confidence in yourself and then to really look inside and say, okay, what am I really, really good at? What do I really love? What's that intersection of what my unique ability is and what the marketplace will pay me well for? Uh, and stop making excuses for that, but actually take control over that part of it and then get yourself immediately as soon as possible in a position where you're socking a lot of money away. So, so tell me a little bit about the genesis of this book. Like, how'd you come up with this idea and, and, and say, okay, this is absolutely what I need to write about? Well, I've been in the investment management business in various elements, uh, various jobs in the investment world for over two decades. And I started off as a financial advisor. They call them financial advisors now. Back then, it was a stockbroker. Um, I started off doing that and I worked for a very large firm, very well-respected firm. We had the best research in the, on Wall Street. And what I realized was that what was happening was a lot of people were not getting independent, unbiased advice because there was so many uh, strong, strong conflicts in the business. And so I really decided I was going to roll up my sleeves to learn how to do well for people. So I went back and got a chartered financial analyst, chartered market technician, and I went to go work as an analyst for a hedge fund on the buy side, which means that you're, you're not selling things, you're just investing as a fiduciary for customers. And I learned a ton doing that. And uh, so I've been on the side of the hedge fund side, and I've been a senior portfolio manager for a large bank where we managed a lot of money. And I learned a lot of things about how to get people on the right track, anywhere from people who are, you know... Uh, mom and pops, everyday mom and pops, all the way to CEOs of public 
publicly traded companies. But when I decided to start WealthNet Investments, which is my registered investment advisory firm, my goal was to provide that independent, unbiased advice that was not skewed by um, what I saw on Wall Street for all that time. And I really wanted to make sure that people can get on the right foot and not get hurt and to do the right thing for themselves. So that really was the genesis of the whole concept. Uh, the What is in the book, and I tried to make it really concise, is really a culmination of all the different things that I've learned that have helped people speed up and accelerate their path to prosperity and to get to that independence, regardless of what's happening you know, in the marketplace, because you have to be, you know, you're going to have ups and downs in the economy and you really have to be in a position where you're able to make reasonable rates of return and to sock money away consistently, consistently over the long run. So, so I know I, the the book really lays out these seven steps you say to, to mapping your future. And I'm hoping maybe we can walk through a few of them. Do you have like top three that maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into? Sure. Yeah. I have no, no problem doing that. You know, the first step, on, and if you want to just kind of dive in, the first step really has to do with really looking inside yourself and saying, okay, what is important about money to me? And what are those things that are, are going to really keep get me on the right foot for my life? Because everybody is so different in terms of what they want to see in their life. Right. And uh, you really can't let other people pick your goals for you. You really have to kind of identify and prioritize your own goals. And, and it's really important to know that you're a human being, not a number. And so you got to have a uh, really clear plan for you, not for anybody else, not some cookie cutter plan that some financial planning program is going to give you online. You really got to look inside yourself and say, what is important about money to me? And I have this whole, in the book, I talk a lot about goal grading and how to, how to figure out what goals are important and how to rank them. And then from there, then you start putting together a plan. You have to start off with where, you know, where am I now? Where am I trying to go? And then you fill the gap there. But that's that's really that first step is is to find your purposes and your your purpose and your values and your opportunities and threats that you have in your own life. Visualize that future and and uh, have a goal transformation into reality. And what yeah. advice would you give? Because I know that a lot of the listeners write questions in to me all the time about just feeling completely overwhelmed at at the choices. I'm even if we're just talking about investing, one person says do it this way, another person says do it this way. And it's hard to figure out sometimes, well, what do I even believe or what would work best for the vision I have for my life? Is there any way to to walk through that process? Okay. So uh when when it comes to figuring out your goals, it really starts out with what is urgent first? You know, there's, there's, there's kind of some ways to scorecard it out for you. So you say, okay, when I'm thinking about my money, is there anything that's urgent like right now that I need to solve? Whether it be debt issues or whether it be I've got this money that I inherited that I've got to figure out what to do with. What is urgent? And then the other thing I would think about that's really important with a goal is uh, your goals are what are my, when I'm thinking about what I want to do with my money, how is it going to affect the people that I love and people that are around me? Mm. because a lot of people make goals all by themselves and then they wind up not thinking about how it affects everybody else that's important to them. Um, I, the other thing I would look at is what are my passions? So 
Um, the hardest part for me is when somebody comes and they don't really have any passions. I never understood that because I've always been a relatively passionate <laughs> person. <laughs> you and me both. I've got too many of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, what are those passions that you have? What do you have fire for? You know, another one that I think people really overlook is my health, because there's a lot of people that will make decisions because of the money or whatever, and they wind up affecting their health in a very bad way. So without health, you have nothing. So uh, how does this goal affect my health? Like, you know, when I first had, when I first started working on the wall street, I had jobs that I worked 16 hours a day, you know, that was horrible for my health. You know, I mean, and I was constantly eating and breathing the bond and stock market. So, so you have to kind of look at those things and uh, scorecard it out. And I, I show some ways on how you can scorecard it out. And everybody has different values. Some people have values that are, they may even be religious oriented, or or they may have other causes in, in your life. So you got to figure out what what is, uh, you have to kind of look inward for that. Nobody can give you the total answers for that. Um, and I, I don't know if that's answering your question, but it starts off with yourself. And then you move into kind of more of the tangible things like where am I right now getting organized? Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, again, I just sometimes feel like there's so many different choices and options out there that it's just really easy to get so overwhelmed. And then you find yourself in a place where you almost don't want to do anything. Yeah. Okay. So that that is a, that has to be, yeah, the big choices and all that. There's too many of them. The real issue there is that there's always going to be trade-offs. There's always going to be trade-offs. And at, you just have to recognize if I pick this one, I'm going to be not picking this other one, you know, this other option. Um, But if you don't ever get past that, then you'll never get anywhere. So you have to pick a path and understand that you could course correct. Like you can take, you know, take this path and then you can change if you need to. And, And the younger you are, the more you can do that. But you have to also look inside what your heart says. Because a lot of times, I mean, I know that I went in various directions in my life and in my career that was against my heart, but was going towards what I thought was in my head. And then it was wrong. And then I wound up changing anyway, later on. So really look in, look into your heart, but you also have to be realistic about what your heart is saying. Cause you, you might, your heart might be saying to do something that is economically just not feasible. Right. <laughs> I've yeah. probably had a few of those things happen if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> sure. But then, but then you have to look at your, 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 where are you right now in terms of my income, my assets, my liabilities. And what about this idea of perfectionism when it comes to money? I think there's a lot of uh, quote unquote experts out there saying that there's, you know, a five step process or a 10 step process. And that if you do those steps, it leads to fill in the blank, prosperity, abundance, whatever it might be. But it's really easy to get caught up in that idea of perfectionism and you make a mistake with your finances and because we don't talk about money very much it feels like a very isolating experience. So I'd just love to hear your perspective a little bit on maybe giving ourselves a little bit of a break, even if we do make a mistake. Oh, sure. It's about progress, not perfection. That's something that Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach talks about. Uh, and I think that's really what it's all about. You, you have to make progress. So think about the things that are going to move the needle the most, the simple things that you can do that are going to move the needle the most. And the first one I think that almost everybody can do is, is to pay yourself first. If, you know, it really starts with that. You got to get to that point if you're, you know, depending on, I don't know where your audience is. It depends on where you're at. But if, if you're at that point where, where you're feeling like, um, 
you know, you need to have perfection. It, that's not true. It's really about hitting the big things right. And, and, and really, if you're hitting the big things right with your finances, it starts off with having a good income, saving a lot, you know, saving as much as you possibly can, but still living a good life today. Yeah, That's really important because like if you, you, you can't, most people can't just defer spending and then have a horrible life now. Right. <laughs> it's a perspective balance. <laughs> balance. Yes. I like that word. So is there, is there another step, uh, in these seven steps that you, you think is really critically important? Well, each one of them are important and they actually, they work the best when you go in order of them. Just, I've just found that out from, you know, from experience. So once you identify and prioritize your objectives and then you say, okay, now I need to figure out where I am. And that means gather all your information, all my assets, liabilities, what is my income? It's amazing how many people don't even know what they have at their job. I just had a call last week with somebody who has a job uh, over at Cornell University. It's like they have no idea what they even have. And so you got to know where, what do I have? And then what does that mean for me? And what are my choices that I have available to me? So, you know, once you've gotten a, a good feeling about where, not feeling, but like facts about where I am, then it's a matter of saying, okay, now what does that mean? How am I going to fill that gap between where I am and are there, what are those things that I can do that are realistic for me? And that means evaluating alternatives. And everybody has different alternatives. There's no easy answer. I can't just say, you know, I actually don't like it when people say it's these five easy steps because it's not right. always easy. <laughs> there are steps, but they're not always easy. Yeah. And I, what do you think is the, maybe it's a, it's a mindset block or I'm not quite sure what it is, but what do you think gets in the way of us really fully understanding where we're at financially and, and what we do have? I think the biggest roadblock is taking the time. People just don't want to, a lot of people just don't want to take the time. And, uh, it requires you to sit down and look at some things. And sometimes, uh, looking at things can be depressing. It's like, especially if it's not where you want it to be. But uh, that, you know, that old ostrich that sticks the, their head in the sand, that is kind of like that. I think that is it really that's keeping people. And, but when you look at it and if you go with the attitude of saying, look, what matters is that I deal the best I possibly can with the cards that I personally have been dealt. You know, I was not dealt a silver platter when I was a kid. I grew up on the South side of Chicago. My parents never had any money. And one day I was, I was like dead broke. Right. And I was, I was a music guy when I was young and I decided, you know what? I, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. My grandfather was nice enough to let me rent one of his houses in the worst part of, part of town. I was sitting there in, in this room, it was completely empty, but there was one box in the center and it had a bunch of books. And on the top was this green book. And I looked at the book and it said microeconomics. And, and it had this graph and I was like, what? This is very interesting. I started looking at this and I was like, this is it. And the reason why I thought I found out that that was it, because I was working construction during the summertime just to try to figure out how to make ends meet. And I had a, I had a music scholarship, but I didn't take it. I wanted to chase girls instead. <laughs> I, I did it. That was not a good idea. Hey, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it was one of those things where, um, when I was working construction, I was like, why am I making like $6 an hour? And this man with his wife, he's wearing a suit and he lives in this multi-million dollar house. And we're putting this like this marble on that's like $20 a square foot. 
what did he do differently? What did he understand differently? Yeah. And then I, I realized that it was about understanding economics. You have to understand economics, supply and demand. And um, so when I saw that book, it was very clear to me. I immediately stopped what I was doing. I figured out what I needed to do to get back into college. It wasn't that I couldn't get into college. I just didn't just didn't do it. You know, and then you you can turn yourself around. So no matter where you are, you can turn yourself around and you can uh, deal the card, the best cards you can possibly, you know, deal with the cards that you have been dealt the best you possibly can. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. 
I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future, too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. So what do you think are some of those key economic uh, issues or uh, strategies, tips that you think we should know about? I think the biggest thing for young people right now is they need to realize that the government is printing a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes. And this is not, this is, it's really important to understand what's happening. So when the government decides to spend money that more than what we can raise from taxes, like they're doing right now, we run a deficit, that money has to be financed. And normally that money is financed by issuing treasury bills and the public would buy the treasury bills. But now nobody wants to buy the treasury bills because interest rates are so low. China doesn't want to buy those treasury bills as much anymore. So who's buying them is the Fed. And the only time uh, the Fed can buy something is when they actually create new money. And so we're basically financing all this expense, all these expenses that the government is coming up with to build back better, all that stuff. We're financing that with inflation because that money goes into the system. It gets put into the system and people are not People right now are not producing as much as they normally would be. A lot right. of people are not working. And so we need to start producing more. So what I think the biggest thing I would uh, encourage everybody to understand is that inflation appears to be more than transitory right now. Uh, we have a lot of things that we need to resolve. And it's, it's actually the millennial generation. It's your job to fix it. Because we had a lot of things that we have been, um, we inherited We've kind of spent our future and I'm not trying to be negative, but it's kind of, it's a reality of where we are. So we have to be more productive. We have to, uh, make some tough choices. It's not going to be easy for us to get ourselves in a better position in the, in the United States. Uh, but the, here's, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing I would say 
is that you have to save aggressively and you have to invest in a way where you're investing in those, those opportunities of the future, not of the past. Those, those innovative companies with new products and new services in high demand, that's where you need to put your capital and grow with that. And then if you make a mistake, be sure to cut your losses very quickly. That is one of the biggest pieces of advice, advice I would give you. Cut your losses short, short, let your profits run so, and diversify and save aggressively and get yourself in a position where your human capital, what you're worth, is worth more and more in the marketplace so that you can earn more and more if you're not an entrepreneur. So what do you think some of those industries are that that we need to be particularly attuned to? I think I think anything in the healthcare area that is dealing with uh you know the new methods for health healthcare for new methods of drugs and all that's that's a huge industry and it will continue to be a strong biotech if you will. The other thing technology obviously artificial intelligence engineering so one of the biggest trends I see actually and I, I really wanted to bring this up I'm glad you mentioned this. We have to start creating products and services in the United States again. So engineering and being able to produce and manufacturing, I think that's going to be a big trend for millennials and for even the, the next generation, because right now we are so dependent on other countries to create our, our goods and services. It creates a real problem with us. We're, we're over dependent and we're going to start creating more products here. So if you can step in front of that, I think you're going to make a lot more money. It was interesting. I just watched, I don't know if it was CBS News, some show last week where it was talking about lithium batteries and mm -hmm. the production of lithium batteries and how us here in the United States, we don't have very many production uh, houses for lithium batteries and just how how many things going forward in the future is are going to be run off of lithium batteries. And so, I mean, that's just one example, but there's so many different examples of, I think what you're talking about, about industries and companies that are really looking towards the future. And those things at least really, really interest me and excite me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the trends. And there's a, a few, I had a podcast that I did. Um, I have a podcast called the market call show. And on that podcast, I have, uh, there's one called, uh, stop investing like your parents. And in that one, I talk about some of the ways, some of the ways that you can, um, think about finding those opportunities. How do you find those opportunities that you're talking about? I'll give you a couple of clues. The first is it all starts with the revenue, the revenue and the price of the actual stocks. So you're going to see the price action move well ahead of the actual news. So by the time everybody's talking about it, it's already started to move. That's just is usually how it works out. The other key is that the revenues are going to be going up a lot faster, even before they're profitable. So some of the best investments that are part of the future and not part of the past, they may not be profitable right away, but they have enormous revenue growth. So focusing in on where the revenue growth is and focusing in on where the price momentum is, you will find those companies. You, and it's a good shortcut way to do that. So looking at companies that have IPO'd within the last five years, sometimes even within the last year, and then you can find them early before you're hearing everybody talk about it on CNBC. And how do we even begin to search for these companies? Is it just really being uh, plugged into to what's going on in the world? And uh, I mean, even just the products that, that we're using on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, I think the products that you're using on an everyday basis is a real uh, good part, good way to look at it. Uh, that is definitely probably the easiest way to find them. 
you know, when there's something new happening. Uh, one example would be of a, of a company that's, that's recently gone public is ZipRecruiter. Have you heard of Zip? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. Okay. It's a, g- a great company. So we hire uh, in my firm and we've used the different ones, Indeed and other others. And we found ZipRecruiter to be, for us, the best one. And when they went public, it was I was immediately looking at that company, especially since since uh, employment is down. And I'm not making a recommendation for ZipRecruiter, by the way. I'm just I'm just example. saying this, it's an example. So you have a company that has a good product and service. They're, they've got something unique. They've got a competitive advantage, and there's also some good timing there because we're employment. You know, as you know, there's a lot of people that need to be placed. And, and employers are like, hey, we have all a ton of work and people need to start working. So there's actually more jobs out there than people are actually taking. I think that's going to reverse, actually. It'll have to reverse. So we've seen so many years now of an up market. I mean, I think if somebody's listening to the show in their, in their 20s, maybe even early 30s, they've pretty much their adult life seen the market go up for the most part. Are there ways for us to really protect ourselves in rough markets? Because it's inevitable, right? I mean, history shows us that everything ebbs and flows. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where you're getting into uh, the risk management part of investing, which is the most important out of everything that we can talk about, other than just saving a ton of money as much as possible. Risk management is the other one. And risk management can be done in a few different ways. Uh, One way would be to uh, figure out how you're going to position size. Position size is just saying, of my money that I have, what percentage am I going to put in this particular opportunity? So the way you figure that out is based on what is the opportunity itself. Is it is it a very, very good opportunity? If it is, then you want to give yourself a little more exposure to it. The second would be the volatility. So if it if it's, it's investment that has a lot of volatility. So if this is like, let me see if I can give an example. Well, okay, Bitcoin is a prime example. Everybody knows about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a lot more volatile than the S&P 500, you know, the general stock market. Right. And so you want to size that position smaller than you would a, a stock position. So based on its volatility. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing would be, what is its diversification benefit? So is it a lot different than what my other holdings? So if you have something that's a lot different than your other holdings, then you can give it a little more size. And we're very scientific about how we do this, but that's the general concept. You, It's how you size your investments and, and diversify. And then the other thing would be to recognize that everybody gets it wrong. And this is one of the things, <laughs> this is one of the things, the best investors and traders, and I've seen some of the best in the world, they are usually right 40 to 60% of the time. And some of the best ones are right only 30% of the time. Of the time. But the difference is, is that when they're wrong, they immediately cut their losses. They, they try to recognize when they're wrong as soon as possible. And the price can tell you, if you buy something and it immediately starts going down, at, you know, if you size it right, and it goes down more than normal. And there, you, know, you have to calculate what would be a normal move. If it goes down more than normal, just admit that you're wrong. Get out. You can always get back into something. Um, you know That's really, really important because that will save you in many cases. Uh, I can't tell you how many times you've had, I've seen a fundamental story. There's a great story about why something should work out. And it doesn't. And um, if you don't cut your losses, then what's hap- what happens is you are down 50%. Then you have to go up 100% just to break even. You don't want to get yourself in that kind of a position. I'm going to be real with you. 
Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows. Beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. So managing your downside is really important, both from a diversification standpoint, your position size, how much you put on, as well as just giving yourself an uncle point where you're saying, if it hits that level, 
even if I still think I'm right, I'm going to get out. I can always get back in. I want to talk a little bit about risk tolerance too. What role does risk tolerance play on our financial freedom journey? Because we all have a very different risk tolerance. And uh, I mean, I know that risk tolerance changes over time, but I, I just would love to hear your thoughts about the role risk tolerance plays. Well, that that is a it is a huge role. It is a huge uh, importance. I, I like to look at it in a, kind of like a three-legged stool. You have risk tolerance, which is kind of psychology, like how do I feel about movements in my portfolio? And some people can uh, you know, feel okay with larger movements and other people don't. So that's one element of it. The other part would be your risk capacity. How much risk can you take? Can your, like, f- your financial position take? You know, so um, to give you an example, if you have a, a, a lot of a long time frame, then you could take more risk. If you have a very short time frame, you, you should be taking less risk. If you have a lot of assets, you don't have to take as much risk as if you have a little, ass, a little amount of assets. So there's that part of it, you know, risk capacity. And then the third part of it is the risk requirement, which is, you know, in order for me to reach my retirement goal, for example, what rate of return am I going to need to make and how much risk do I need to take to get that level of return? So that would be like what you would be required to take. So, you know, we look at those things from all three. So when somebody is saying, okay, um, you know, we're trying to assess what this risk profile, how you should invest, we want to look at all three of those things. But the rule is, is to never invest more than your stomach can handle because you will wind up doing the wrong thing. You'll wind up selling at the bottom and you'll wind up making poor choices and then you'll underperform. That, that's at least that's what I've seen in history with people. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that emotional behavioral side of money. What role does that play in, in our decision-making? Oh, well, there's a ton of um, behavioral science concepts that are really important to understand. Like, you know, uh, we have this bias that we're going to look for something and and to confirm what we already believe. That's called confirmation bias. That's probably one of the largest ones. Yes. Um, And I think that's, you know, having a, a view where you're actually more scientific about how you view things. I believe investors should think more like a doctor. And I have a whole chapter about that in my book about you know, think like a scientist or like a doctor when you're investing, not, you know, work with the probabilities in the base case, not based on hunches. You have to have numbers as well as a story. A story by itself is not good. You also need to have numbers that can work out. But um, there's just a whole lot we can talk about there. Um, What part of that do you want to dive into more? I mean, I'm not sure exactly which part of it you want to Talk well, about. I'm I'm thinking about even about investing. We were just talking about risk tolerance and how if we're we're in some investment or maybe we bought some stock and maybe it's not it's not going so well and you know our our brains kind of go a little bit crazy thinking about well do I sell and do I is is it smart to take a loss or even if we're investing in something that feels really popular at the moment like a meme stock or even bitcoin is an example where maybe that that irrational rationality kind of takes over and we're investing in something that we don't even know what it is well that's that's a problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that would be the first part uh knowing what you what you're investing in so like let's take bitcoin as an example so a lot of people are asking me, like, what's better, gold or Bitcoin? And there's this big debate, gold or Bitcoin. And, I, and I'm going to tie this into risk tolerance. Well, um, I've bought 
we own both gold and Bitcoin. So they both have a, a, you know, a solid reason and rationale to own it. Uh, but we have more gold than Bitcoin because gold is less volatile and uh, Bitcoin is very volatile. But, but Bitcoin has been outperforming our gold position, right? It's been doing very, very well. So as it's gone up, what we're doing is we pair back on some of the, some of the Bitcoin and then we buy some gold with it. Mm. And, and we're not trying to make one better the other. But if, if gold, if Bitcoin were to just turn around and go down, we would be completely out of Bitcoin. You know, you, we have that position size and that uncle point that says, okay, based on our position size and our risk profile, uh, we will be completely out if it, if it moves the other way. So, um, I, I think thinking like a doctor and a scientist is really hard for some people, you know, and, but I think that is the way that you're going to avoid having big losses. Yeah. I like that a lot. So we pick up the book, Financial Freedom Blueprint. What do you want us to walk away with after we read it? Mm, that's a really good question. Really, I think it depends on where you are. So for a millennial, what I'd like you to walk away with is those seven steps and to do and to do them if you haven't already done them. And uh, the second thing would be to look at the criteria, the ADP criteria like how how to select the types of companies that make sense going forward. And also look at that. I have a formula in there that talks about how to manage risk. Look at those formulas so that you don't get yourself in a position where you're losing your nest egg. So it's a combination of financial planning and investment management that's going to lead you to success. Lewis, this has been so, so educational. I would love to have you back on the show. We always are interested in really smart perspectives about financial freedom, but I would love for you to tell all the listeners where they can go to connect with you and get a copy of the book. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's going to be released November 16th. Uh, that is the target date. Uh, you can also go to pathtorealwealth.com. Uh, that is my uh, website that has information about the book and other things that we're doing. And uh, that should get you every information that you need. First off, can we just talk about the Zen quality of Lewis's voice? I love that we have all sorts of guests on this show, but Lewis has this quality about him that I don't know about you, but it really draws me in. If you want to make 2022 about doing things differently with money, you definitely need a copy of his book, Financial Freedom Blueprint. In my opinion, you can just never learn too much about money. You take what works for you, you put it to work, and you leave what doesn't aside. But more knowledge really does create more opportunities and certainly more wealth. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.